Hello everyone and welcome back to Human Nutrition and Lifestyle. It's nice to have you with us today. Today we haven't got a guest on the show for you. What we've got are your listeners' questions. So thank you very much for sending them in and I shall get straight to it and answer them for you. So the first one that we had sent in was from Lisa and she says, How do I get from a high-carb diet to a lower carb nutrition? And this is a great question, Lisa. Thank you very much for sending it in. It's one of the most frequently asked questions. A lot of people in the low carb nutrition often just say to others, oh, well, you need to be low carb. But then they forget what it actually takes to refine your nutrition well enough to get to a low carb style of eating. I know you've probably heard me say before about nutrient-dense foods, but it really is the best way to begin to refine your nutrition. If you focus on nutrient-dense foods and begin to take out processed foods from your diet, then a lower-carb lifestyle is not that far away. I'm sure I've said it before that this process from a higher-carb diet to a lower-carb nutrition is not something you can do overnight. Unfortunately, it's a relatively slow process, depending on how high in carbs your nutrition is and how much you rely on processed foods within your diet. The more you depend on carbs, the harder and longer it will take to refine to a lower carb portion of your daily nutrition. So just take it day by day And don't worry about peaks and troughs. Some days will be easier than others. You will also want to teach your body to function well on fat as fuel. Intermittent fasting is the best tool to use for this. A quick example for you is if you consume around 400 to 500 carbs a day at the moment, then reduce this by 100 grams of carbs per day for the first week and then another 100 grams week after that and another 100 grams week after that until you're down to somewhere around 50 grams of carbs per day. Consuming absolutely no processed foods and eating real food nutrient-dense nutrition is where you should be aiming for. So it is a slow process but just take it day by day getting better all the time, refining your diet, refining your shopping, refining the things you buy, the things that go in your kitchen cupboards, refine all that day by day. And then before you know it, you'll be on a nice nutrient dense, lower carb nutrition. So hope that helps. Anyway, on to the next question or questions, shall I say, I'm going to do two in one here because they're very similar and I can answer them both with one answer and that is what is keto flu from tom and how do i get away from the hunger pains from uh, pete and so thanks for that guys these two questions are quite similar and, and can be answered together as i explained in the previous question your body needs to adapt from burning using predominantly carbohydrates as fuel and to change this process to get your body to switch over to making sure it's predominantly burning fat. And a gradual drop in carbs per day or per week is recommended. However, some people prefer to go cold turkey at this 
And to take the previous example that uh, I gave in Lisa's question, to go from 400 to 500 grams of carbs a day to something like drop it right down to 100 grams straight away, or even to go strict keto, which is less than 30 grams of carbs per day, then this can work for some, but it will induce a term which is often called or are known as keto flu. It is when your body and mostly your brain cannot cope with the dramatic drop in available glucose. And it will give you headaches and some people report shivers and, and some people say it's, it's kind of like a state uh, of uh, akin to something when you are addicted to something and you're trying to give it up. Um, but I guess you'll only know that if, if you've been addicted to something. So if you drop your carbs too quickly and you experience these headaches, pains, shivers, um, blurred vision, things like that, then that is known as keto flu. And it only lasts a short while. Um, it generally comes in fits and starts and it's not anything to worry about. It's just your body's way of telling you, asking you, what are you doing to me, basically? <laughs> but it, it, we, you can get over it. It's just a bump in the road. And to answer Pete's question of, of how to battle hunger during this, this period is to eat foods of high in protein and nutrient-dense foods. You may still feel the need to snack. And snacking in the early weeks is normal because hunger will strike between meals. But if this happens, just opt for good snacks. Uh, John also asked for healthy snack options between meals. And firstly, once you've managed to actually nail down your nutrient-dense nutrition by having a lifestyle consisting of perhaps one or two meals a day, you probably won't need or even want to snack. But in the early transition weeks, when you're going from a higher carbohydrate diet, looking to a more nutrient-dense nutrition, then snacking does help. Your insulin productivity and blood sugar gradually gets used to the change by opting for good snacks, high in fat and protein and nothing too sugary. So good examples of this are things like a creamy coffee, um, just, just coffee and cream and um, all sorts of cheeses, different kinds of cheese. Most cheeses are, are, are very low in carbohydrates and high in nutrient density. And nuts as well, particular nuts like Brazil nuts, macadamia nuts, um, walnuts and pecans are all good types of nut. Also, uh, you could opt for a better type of chocolate, something like 85 to 90%, 95% cacao chocolate. Just a little square is, is all that's needed for a snack. Don't go eating the whole bar. Um, but eggs as well, boiled eggs. And boil eggs before time, and, and they're great to eat as a, a little snack. And sausages. I like to cook sausages beforehand, and then you can just have them straight out of the fridge or heat them up in the microwavers as a little snack. Biltong as well is a good one that you can find. Biltong is just dried beef, and it's it's really, really good. Um so if you do snack on carbs, you will actually spike your insulin and the process to get you to fat adapt will take longer. So try to avoid snacking on those carbohydrate type of meals or snacks. So in summary, keto flu 
is just the transition period. If you try and drop your carbohydrates too quickly, it can feel like a kind of flu, um, <laughs> give you the shivers and give you the shakes. Um, but you can get over it. It's, it's nothing serious. And hunger pains, just try and snack on nutrient-dense food. Snack on the good stuff. And then also I tried to answer John's question there as well. What what things to snack on? So just pick the good things. Pick the high fat. Uh, Greek yogurt as well. That's one that I uh, didn't put in there. Greek yogurt's something good to, to snack on as long as it's not too high in the carbohydrates. Some people also, while, while I'm here, some people also use sweeteners like stevia or erythritol or monk fruit to sweeten some baked goods, things like brownies and uh, like coconut bites and um, some some nachos or crackers, things like that. People use sweeteners to put in those to use as snacks. And what I'd say around that is just be careful with your sweetener because your sweetener um, will also spike insulin depending on the person. The best one's probably monk fruit. That's less likely to to give you an insulin spike. But erythritol and stevia are acquired tastes as well. Some people report bitter tastes with those. So if you want to go and look for some recipes on some baked goods like brownies, low-carbohydrate brownies or low-carbohydrate cheesecakes and things like that that you can snack on, then feel free to do that. But just be wary of the sweetener and in the future, like we do, um, you may be able to make those baked goods without any sweetener anyway, because your body just doesn't really, not really interested in the sugary taste. So we make brownies and cheesecakes and coconut bites and things like that with nachos just without sweetener in them. We just use um, the all the ingredients and, and natural sweeteners, sometimes like a little bit of honey and that's all. So thanks for them questions, guys. I'll move on to the next one. And the next one is from Adam. He says, how do you fit it all in? How does nutrition, cooking, training, work, kids, family all fit into a lifestyle? Uh, well, Adam, <laughs> that's a great question. And um, perhaps sometimes it may seem like a lot to actually ram jam pack into your busy lives but it really isn't as bad as it sounds. It's all about managing the time and planning ahead. Firstly, nutrition and food takes up very little time. I always try to eat perhaps twice a day on average, some once sometimes, uh, or three if, if I'm training a lot. So this takes very little time. And we also buy everything we need for the week ahead of time. Think about the meals that we're going to have for the week. So if there's something we need to prepare or cook ahead of time, we can. I, I like to make my weekly liver pate every single week. So I always buy what I need for that. And I prepare this at the start of the week so I can consume it throughout the whole week. So that's something I don't have to worry about. Other things that we may eat like burgers or uh, slow cooker meals, um, cheesy crackers, things like this you can prepare at the start of the week. Scotch eggs sometimes make Scotch eggs and you can make them on a Sunday afternoon and, and they'll last the whole week. So if you just plan and prep ahead of time, then it takes no time at all. We'll also have things like big joints of meat or a whole chicken or maybe do a large stew. 
them kind of meals for during the week and there's always some left for the next day or you can refrigerate it and it'll last you for a few days so it really doesn't take any time it just takes a little bit of thought a little bit of prep for the couple of days ahead and then you're set with your nutrition i find the biggest factor and most important factor are my family and spending time with my family and making memories with them and also as far as training goes it's only light and infrequent at the moment so there's no goal for me at the moment in the short term so I, I tend to use my mornings and evenings and weekends to squeeze in something quick like a bike a run or, or a strength session um, but most importantly I, I always make sure I have the time to spend with my family however when I do get a longer term goal or a bigger goal I know I will have to increase my training meaning I'll have to squeeze more of my family time into smaller pieces but I am lucky whereas my family do support me and will join me in certain things like coming for a swim or a little run and they'll help me to get there but if this does fail to happen something good we've done in the past is we've designated a particular family day and said look there's no training there's no worrying about nutrition there's no doing any podcast there's no nothing on this day this particular day let's say a tuesday is family day we just do everything together that we can go out spend some time together and make some memories so that's something good that you could think about as well again that's about prepping ahead of time just communicating with your family and just prepping what's going to happen so I guess my overall answer there, Adam, is just time management. Just like nutrition, if you prep ahead of time, everything in your life becomes much easier. I don't mean you have to have a strict calendar and book everybody in, but just be ready for the next couple of days ahead. So next is Gary, and Gary says, should I take supplements? Well, thanks, Gary. That's a very broad subject to cover. But at least you did go carry on with your question and say uh, vitamin D. So uh, in terms of vitamin D, then taking a supplement won't do any harm. And because of our dark winter in the northern hemisphere, it's hard to get out in the sun for long enough to aid our body to synthesize vitamin D production. Like so. However, getting outside will still be the best way to get a vitamin D from the sun, whether it's winter or not. But if you don't get much chance to get outside, then yeah, a vitamin D supplement throughout the winter will be of, of benefit to you. However, you can get plenty from your diet if you focus on, again, those nutrient-dense foods. Things really nutrient-dense like liver, heart, and all kinds of offal and, and organ meats have plenty of vitamin D in, in them for your body to use. And next week on the podcast, I'll talk to a bit more in detail uh, about offal and, and organ meats and, and how they can help you get your vitamins and minerals in, in your diet. Uh, I'll talk to the Muscle Maven. She's just released her organ meats cookbook, so that should be fun next week. While we're on supplements, vitamin C is another vitamin that people worry about, and Again, a nutrient-rich nutrition with plenty of animal produce and, and real food veg like bell peppers are a good one and, and your seasonal berries will have you more than covered with your vitamin C. 
So while we're on supplements, Andy asked a question and he says, do I need protein supplements, whey protein supplements, he says, which is good. And what about plant protein? Well, Andy, plant protein is inferior in every way to your whey protein or to your animal protein because of the amino acid makeup. It is far more bioavailable and more potent in animal protein than in any plant protein. So if you're looking um, like for like than your animal protein or your whey protein, it, it's far more like you're far more likely to get the amino acids from them than you are your plant protein. The problem, the overall problem with protein shakes are that they they often have sweeteners or, or added sugars to them, which can spike your insulin and your blood sugar. And they don't often have much fat in them. Um, when, when they're making them, they tend to take out the fat during the pasteurization process. The best protein shakes that you could get would be ones which are high in fat and high in protein without any sugars or sweeteners in them at all. But they are very few and far between. I think I've only ever seen two and they are quite expensive because they're, they're obviously requiring uh, better in ingredients to make them. The, the, there's a one-to-one uh, protein shakes that I have seen the ratio is protein uh, and to fats one to one, which is the the best one I've seen out there. I can't just remember the the name of it now, but uh, it is quite expensive to be fair. And if you're having it all the time, you need it every month or so, then it, it can be somewhat somewhat costly. So I tend to opt for a collagen powder instead, and I use it. I just an unflavored one. I just pop it into my daily coffee. And I simply just use it when I'm training to help aid recovery. But as far as do you need protein supplements goes, my answer would be if you are getting plenty from your diet, you've got a really nutrient-rich diet, including plenty of animal produce, plenty of organ meats, plenty eating nose to tail, things like that, and you're not training super hard, then there's no need to supplement at all. Your nutrition will have you covered for your protein intake? Now, the next question is from Carla, and she says, is a low-carb nutrition okay for pregnancy or when nursing? <laughs> Thanks, Carla. Now, I'm no expert on this one. However, I have researched it a little bit, and if it is your usual lifestyle, then there's nothing negative from following a lower carb nutrition during pregnancy or nursing. However, if you're looking to fat adapt or change your lifestyle nutrition from a higher carb to a lower carb uh, way of eating, then this particular time in your life is not the best time to be doing this. And like I say to all females, it's, the, it's best to listen to your body more than it is with us males sometimes as your hormones and your body do more each month than ours. Some women find a certain at certain times in the month they're depleted more than others and they need to increase their carb intake slightly for a few days to help with fatigue and pains and things like that. However, on the other side, there is some women that live a very strict keto lifestyle and, and say there's no problems at all. So it's totally individual. But... In terms of your question about low-carb pregnancy, 
I would say just focus on getting plenty of nutrients, not just for you, but also for your extra human inside. You, you don't need to eat for two. I mean, that's a false saying that's been blown out of proportion over the years. However, taking in lots of nutrient-dense food is more relevant when you're pregnant as you will be needing more vitamins and more minerals to support the growth of life within you. So focus on that rather than focusing on I need to be low carb. Just think about eating nutrient-dense produce. Listen to your body. And perhaps fasting won't be advised at this time. I'll, I'll see if I can get on an expert onto the podcast uh, in the future more about pregnancy and, and nursing and what the best sort of nutrition to follow at that particular time of your life is. But hopefully I've given you a guide and a little bit of an answer of what I know about it there. I'm trying not to spend too long on each question here, but I have got quite a few similar ones. So hopefully by giving you longer answers to these particular questions, then it answers all the similar ones that came in. Um, but I'll try and do a few quickfire ones now. And uh, if I haven't, by the way, answered your question here on the podcast today, and you're still in search of some answers, then don't be shy to get in touch. Just you know how to get in touch with me by now on all the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, um, send me an email. Uh, so I'll just do some quick fire, kind of quick fire ones now, ones that were more popular, ones that came in quite frequently. So one of the more popular ones was how important is exercise? Now, it is great to do any kind of exercise. And the more you do, the more you'll have to refine your nutrition slightly. But put the base down of the nutrient-dense nutrition and you won't go far wrong. However, nutrition is the very first thing to get most importantly right. And exercise is just an added lifestyle extra to this. So if you do manage to nail down your nutrition, then exercise will help with your health. But don't think that you can just neglect your nutrition and do exercise. So in terms of the question, how important is exercise? Then it's great and it is important for your lifestyle, but perhaps not as important as nutrition. Another quick question that was, that was quite popular was how important is sleep? And I would say sleep and nutrition are a very close thing. In terms of importance, they kind of go together because even if you've got one of them absolutely spot on, but the other is not quite right, then the benefits of each one will be diluted. So I'd say getting over eight hours of sleep per night will ensure you can be optimal for the day ahead. Some people may say, oh, well, I, I can get by on six hours. Well, maybe you can, but this is not optimal it's not that great and it will catch up with you so just like nutrition you get if you put rubbish input in then you will get it will affect the output so if you get rubbish sleep then it'll affect your daily output the next day same with nutrition if you put the process rubbish in then you tend to be lacking in energy and 
you are constantly craving food so you get rubbish output. And another popular one was how long should I fast for? And it really depends on your goal. In, in my episode featuring Mary Ruddock a couple of episodes ago, we discussed a period between 18 and 24 hours being at the optimal range to see great benefits from intermittent fasting. But if you're looking for autophagy, then this has lots of determining factors, but a longer fast of 24 to 72 hours is great for cell regeneration. And it can be done on a bi-weekly or monthly basis to uh, get the best from that. So in terms of how long should you fast for, then really depends on your goal. Start with intermittent fasting and then you can progress from there. Also, I just want to say about intermittent fasting, a lot of people, when they talk about intermittent fasting, say about missing their breakfast in the morning and then eating later in the day. But don't be scared to mix it up. I often do. I often have my breakfast in the morning and I'll have a larger dinner and then I won't eat for the rest of the day. Um, So my intermittent fasting becomes the back part of the day then. It's the other hours of the day. And you're still sleeping through and you're still getting 16 to 18 hours um, intermittent fasting. And that's a good way, a good thing to use when you want to go into longer fasts as well. Because if you are used to fasting at all different kinds of the day, then that helps you transition into longer fast if you if you want to get into autophagy a bit more and do three to five day fasts, things like that. So thanks again for all your input into today's episode. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or or wherever you listen. Come follow along with us on Instagram and Facebook and check out our webpage, humannutritionlifestyle.com. Be well, live your best life, and I shall see you next time.